0: a Radio Info raw edit podcast, the conversations behind our reports. Grant Blackley, full year results for SCA. There's a few things in there that I'd like to understand. Your presentation shows underlying net profit after tax up 38%. But revenue is down slightly, expenses are up, and debt has increased. Can you just explain how that all works in the financial aspects of it?
1: Yeah, most definitely. So the first thing to note is that the composition of our revenue, uh, 80% of our revenue comes from our audio products, which are owned and operated, and about 20% of our revenue comes from our television business, of which, of course, we take uh, a portion of that revenue, On the way through so you have a different contribution coming through at the revenue line so you'll see the revenue line when we were with the affiliation of channel 9 um, we had much higher revenue and ratings than we do with 10 nevertheless what we have been able to deliver is a flat line in terms of the EBITDA so some 200 million dollars less revenue but effectively what we've seen is that we've been able to mitigate that with lower fees to our affiliate so that's, uh, that's one of the changes. The second change is that over the course of the last year, you know, we are cycling over around about $40 million of JobKeeper and Ping, which is no longer um, obviously afforded to the industry and more broadly to Australians. So to that end, there was some trailing thing, but essentially we've cycled over that in terms of income uh, coming through. Our debt levels were at the half year at $58 million, um, we're now sitting at a debt level, fundamentally, which is a, a little higher, at 78 million, and that's purely because we have a buyback of our own stock. We think our stock is undervalued, and effectively, we're using debt-funded finance to buy back um, our own shares on the way through. So, so the,
0: the objective of is that it, uh, that is to add more value for shareholders, is that right?
1: Most definitely. Um, So, you know, buying back your own shares and then effectively uh, deleting those shares means that um, there is less shares available and in circulation in the marketplace, which means those who are holding SCA shares end up owning more of the company. On top of that, we've also resumed dividends and the dividends, uh, we only paid uh, a 5 cent dividend in the second half of the prior fiscal year in FY21 and we are now paying... Um, A full year 9.25 cents uh, per share, fully franked, um, which is a very strong yield. So we've been able to afford um, a dividend both in the first half and in the second half, so there is an improvement in the payout uh, to uh, to our shareholders.
0: Let's look at the company divisions. Obviously, radio and audio are of most interest to us, so radio revenue is up. Uh, but audio expenses are up too. You've talked a lot about the fact that you're investing more in digital audio. Is that what we're seeing here in those figures?
1: What you're seeing is a number of things. You know, coming from a lockdown environment where we've invited all of our people uh, back into the office, you're seeing a resumption of normal behaviour and nor- normal pattern of, of work. So naturally, as people return to work, you end up returning to a level of normal discretionary uh, cost as well and associated costs so uh, that's one of the, uh, the things we are also expensing uh, majority of the development of listener through our books as well as opposed to through capex so whilst we you know continually look to make the organization more effective and efficient the savings that we can generate we typically turn around and try to reinvest to supercharge listener which we're successfully doing in maturing that that platform and that ecosystem. Um, So it's a repurposing of that which gives us more momentum for the future. So there's a range of different things uh, impacting each. We're very pleased to say that underlying operating costs we continue to put pressure on to ensure that we're as effective and efficient as we possibly can be. We're delighted that You know, our underlying EBITDA for broadcast audio was $104 million, or up 13.9%, and we also expanded our margin to 28%. So broadcast radio is recovering. We'd like to see it recover at a, a faster pace, and, you know, to achieve that goal, what we need is the SME market to actually recover at a slightly higher pace. But we must remember in the last 12 months, we've had... You know, state lockdowns in the first half of the year, we've had major events um, in terms of the floods and rainfall across the East Coast. We've had major supply chain issues forced on the market. And respecting we have 15,000 SMEs on our books and radio by virtue of the, the medium actually has a higher propensity to work with SMEs than a lot of other our peer set in the media sector. Trying to get the SME market back to a, a level of stronger momentum I think, should come in the next 12 months. And whilst it's present in the last 12, it's, uh, it's lagged the national recovery.
0: On that point about radio working hard for clients and advertisers um, in tough times... There was a comment in your presentation, and Kieran Davis said the same thing in in their half-year presentation the other day, about radio being, as you term it, an inflation buster, where it's good value for clients, and they can reach their uh, audience with their messages very quickly.
1: Without doubt. Um, I think we have to take the first premise that uh, radio and audio more broadly, consumption is increasing. So we don't have a consumption problem uh, like many industries. So the fact that more people are listening to radio and more people are leaning in to listen to audio more broadly is a good thing. Um, secondly, what we are seeing is that, you know, we, we are at a cost-effective medium um, with broad reach. And, yes, we can be an inflation buster. So if more people are consuming our products, if more advertisers are aware of the need to be Um, you know, more critical and sometimes even frugal in the way in which they present themselves to market. Radio is an extremely good option to actually improve the reach and the cost per reach point um, by allowing us to have a greater share of the overarching pool of investment. And that's being proved time and time again. So good for national clients and also good for SME market.
0: Yeah, and I saw that um, radio revenues across the whole market are up, was it 8%? Uh,
1: yes, they are. Yeah, I, What you're seeing there is, you know, strong revenue growth um, and, you know, continuing recovery. Um, we're not yet back at a pre-COVID level, um, but we would hope that over the next 12 months that we'd be getting closer to that benchmark uh, on a more consistent basis.
0: Returning to the earlier point about radio revenue versus regional TV revenue, um, which you commented on, are there any synergies for your company across television and audio? You know, TV revenue in regionals was down, but do you run ads for your radio stations um, on TV? Do you promote listener? And how how is that valued across the company?
1: Very good. So, we actually have uh, predominantly separated our radio and TV sales team across uh, the regions, across 55 of our offices outside of metro areas, and we've done that for the specific reason that we want people um, clearly focused on the target and the opportunity at hand, and in doing that, you know, having specialists within TV and specialists within radio, we felt has been the right blend. That said, they do cohabitate together in the same office, they use the same uh, systems, um, they work in the same environment and they can obviously service clients either collectively or singly, um, as the client might choose. So there's a lot of benefits from that perspective in terms of um, back back of house costs. Secondly, if we're to move forward and look at how do we actually unlock more value, we've, we do use our own inventory. Um, through, uh, through unsold inventory to fundamentally promote radio on TV. And in the last 12 months alone, we've provided ourselves $10 million worth of in-kind marketing support for the promotion of Listener. And to that end, what we find is a very unique situation in the digital world, which is that uh, Listener, um, half of its users come from the regions and half of the users come from Metro. Um, geographies and to that end i don't think you'd find too many places or too many different products and services in australia that operate either at a global or a domestic level that would have that balance uh, between the two and the balance is there because of the weight of assets we have in radio and tv so you know if we uh, in the last three years um, we've used around about 10 million dollars per annum uh, to promote listener and or its predecessor, podcast one, um, in in in-kind, non-cash support. So it's very important. And most major digital companies launching in Australia use traditional media because of its reach um, and its large-scale audience. And naturally, we're tapping into that ourselves.
0: In your presentation, you mentioned the digital audio strategy is to own your own destiny. Tell me about that philosophy.
1: Well, you know, we think that our digital future um, is so important that we want to own our future. And we don't, you know, to that end, we want to own the house we want to live in. Um, We don't want to rent the house um, where you're not directly in control of your future, Um, where in actual fact, you know, uh, you can be kicked out of the house or, more importantly, if there's something you need to do within the house that you have to ask for permission. So we have... We do own our own destiny with respect to building what is now a world-class product in Listener. And in doing that, we can chart our own journey in terms of the uh, style of content, um, the functionality uh, that we provide, the scale that we wish to get to, Um, importantly, the uh, intuitive changes in the technology and the use of the technology within Listener. Um, who we wish to onboard, we want to onboard the best of breed partners in the technology sector. So we can do that at a time and place of our choice. We don't have to ask for permission. Uh, we don't, you know, we can't be ignored. Uh, and effectively, we can grow at uh, whatever rate we choose to grow at in the future. So we thought it was very important. The final thing, most importantly, is we effectively own the monetization of our own product and our own content. We don't share that with any third party. Um, So we think that is vital to the, um, not only the optics, but the operating model um, within SCA moving forward. So that gives us enormous uh, clout in the marketplace and it gives us enormous uh, opportunity to continue to grow our revenues and our audiences.
0: Looking at specific broadcast radio stations for a moment, you've done pretty well in some markets, but there's still a few problems. What about today? Do you have a strategy there?
1: With, uh, with, a, with 99 stations around the country, we're always going to uh, have a problem somewhere, I must say. In regard to Sydney specifically, we are absolutely delighted with what's been achieved following lockdown. Coming out of lockdown, and I guess we're talking about Survey 7, moving into survey eight. We've seen 24% growth in audience uh, for the SCA network. Um, we've seen more growth than that within our breakfast in uh, today. So, you know, we are very pleased with that momentum. It has gathered more more momentum. Um, we're sitting here um, at, uh, at a high in terms of audience or queue in, uh, in breakfast. And I think I have to go back to 2005 to see a similar number. So we're very pleased with that um, audience position. What we have to work harder at is actually time on platform uh, or TSL. So to that end, you know, turning from we've, we've certainly getting the trial. What we want is people spending more time with us um, on our key formats. So the cume is there. We're at record QMs. um We're delighted with that outcome. But what we want to do is make it even more sticky. So we have to improve the. Habitual listening on the formats when they arrive. So, to that end, that's the task that Dave and the team uh, have, and we're,
0: uh, we've got well laid plans for the next 12 months in that regard. Oh, well, are you going to give us any hints at some of those plans? I've noticed that Hughie and Abby Chatfield are appearing together um, on various podcasts and on each other's shows and on, on TV. Anything happening there for the future in Breakfast?
1: No, we've been delighted with, uh, with Abby moving on to the Hit Network. No, you shouldn't read anything into that. What you should read into all of that is that, you know, the depth of talent that we have pre-existing and the depth of talent that we are introducing, that you will start to see a blurred vision between what is on-demand content um, and what is broadcast content. And we should be able to move people back and forth uh, across um, those platforms. And that's a classic example with Abby. You know, she has obviously come from a world of principally on-demand content for the most part, and she's doing more broadcast work with us, doing hit nights um, and working, you know, um, uh, as, as a guest role in certain places. But we're doing that across all of our talent um, across the board, and I think that's the beauty of having the stable that we do, having the digital architecture that we have, And fundamentally that we're willing to take risks with lots of different formats to see what can either present um, an improved performance within broadcast or a new opportunity within on-demand content.
0: Uh, Well, we'll we'll watch for those strategies as they unfold in the, the coming months Your company had some good results in the uh, long list of finalists in the Radio Today podcast awards and a good list of winners. Um, Do you want to congratulate them?
1: I think it's been wonderful. I haven't had the time to consume all of that this morning, I must admit, with all our investor presentations. But I look forward to that. But um, I understand that uh, a number of accolades have been awarded to our team. And, you know, uh, my heartfelt thanks goes to each and every one of those people. Um, they are absolutely dedicated experts to their field. Um, and the recognition that I believe has been awarded today, I think, is, is purely a recognition of their, their work,
0: their commitment, and uh, how they add to the culture of SCA. And just a final comment, if you will, on the resignation of your CFO.
1: Yeah, Nick, Nick's been with us for uh, just over eight years. He was here a year before I joined, actually. Nick has been uh, a wonderful uh, confidant uh, and a great support uh, for the company and the uh, the leadership team. We have together, along with the leadership team and the board, obviously strengthened uh, the company. Our balance sheet is in um, good health. Uh, our debt has been reduced from some $680 million to what is now effectively $78 million. Matter of fact, we're buying back our own shares at this point in time. Um, so Nick's been part of that journey. Um, we wish him the absolute best um, in moving across to what is a non non public environment. So he's moving to a private company called Gerner, um, which is back to his original roots. He was formerly in uh, a company in infrastructure, and moving back to that, um, I have asked him whether we can uh, we can get any discounts on future premium apartments throughout uh, Victoria. Whether he comes (laughs) through with that, I'm not sure. Uh, But he'll be with us for a little bit longer, um, and we wish him the absolute best uh, on the way through. And we are already advancing in terms of our search for someone to replace Nick, and when we have uh, something to add, we will certainly be back to inform the market.
0: Grant Blackley, thanks very much. Thank you. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?